we were uh, not worried at all about uh, what the market potential is there is enough market potential and uh, this has been further reinforced right this feeling based on the work that we have been doing over the last uh, several years we can see that most organizations are still only scratching the surface uh, when it comes okay. to you know using the power of data analytics many organizations even large ones maturity levels in terms of what they do and how they are uh, using analytics to drive decision making might still be at the lower end of the spectrum there is a lot that can be done right hi friends and welcome to another exciting episode of leading with data today i have rajan sipuraman with me who is ceo of latent view analytics one of the very few companies who specializes in analytics and is still listed in india so there is a tremendous amount of work which has gone in uh, and and latent we are being a pioneer in in uh, leading analytics in india and in industry and also uh, rajan's experience i think there is so much to learn he has been leading several practices across different companies so i'm looking forward to the discussion Welcome, Rajan, to the show. Thank you, uh, thank you, Kunal. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, look forward to the conversation. Great. So, Rajan, let me start with uh, you know how you got into the industry and what what was the t- time how you entered into analytics, data science, and then was it a conscious call or or it happened over time? So, so a bit about how you started your journey into analytics. Right. Sure. Yeah. uh i joined latent view in june of uh, 2016 after mm-hmm. uh, 20 20 years in accenture and a year in between with uh, kpmg uh mm-hmm. so for me uh, latent view was uh, exciting because uh, it brought together a very interesting combination of what i had done in my past life right my first 15 years in accenture were all as part of the management consulting and business consulting space and uh, i had done several engagements you know starting right from business entry strategy down to process reengineering and cost reduction right and performance improvement and obviously all of this uh, work involved a ton of uh, analysis right i use the word analysis yeah. instead of analytics because uh, <laughs> analysis you can do with any quantum of data using any any number of tools right so in those days yeah. uh, it was mostly excel or uh, Uh, lotus 1 2 3 even right when i started my career yeah and then, uh, paper back of the envelope uh, calculations right in terms of deciding uh, whether something is a good idea or not uh, and then my last 5 years in accenture uh, they were actually uh, spent uh, act- being a part of uh, the corporate functions right i uh, i was running mm-hmm. talent acquisition and resource management for accenture uh, in india the accenture technology practice in india which was really the mm-hmm. the elephant in the room right at that time Uh, interestingly uh, yeah. when i joined accenture we were only a management consulting practice back in 1995 but by uh, mm-hmm. 2011 uh, we had grown to about 150000 people uh, and uh, we wow. were hiring in huge numbers uh, we were hiring about uh, 2000 people a month and uh, obviously wow. all the attendant challenges of uh, hiring so many people right and also doing the resource management it is a very interesting thing mm-hmm. given my background in doing supply chain work as part of my consulting experience uh, mm-hmm. i found it like a very interesting problem for me as well one of the very first things mm-hmm. that i had to tackle was uh, a problem of reneg where candidates accept okay. offers 
but they don't turn up on the yeah. digital planning, right? And it was a very high percentage. Uh, so uh, right. we actually got on to work uh, and uh, the first real analytics model, statistically significant mm-hmm. analytics model that I got involved <laughs> in was trying to predict Renek, right? Will a candidate join us or not join us, right? And uh, is there enough data and information that is available in all the, using all the interactions that we are having with the candidate for us to come to that Mm -hmm. uh, conclusion, right? Uh, And actually, it was a very interesting exercise. I worked with uh, a set of very talented uh, uh, modelers, right, who were there in the Mm -hmm. analytics team. And they helped uh, build a model. And that model actually helped a great deal because either we could uh, identify the factors that we could control and, and act on them, or we could say, you know what, we cannot do anything about this candidate so let's cut our losses right and not invest too much time and it helped bring it down by almost uh, uh, half of what it was right uh, prior to wow. getting okay. this exercise underway mm-hmm. uh, so thus began my journey in analytics and uh, then later on we started building models to predict attrition can we predict demand for a particular skill level location combination can we predict predict mm-hmm. time for fulfilling the demand right so over a period of time uh, i also wore the HR analytics head hat for Accenture in India. Yeah. And my last mm-hmm. five years in Accenture were all related to uh, uh, HR and, and uh, analytics and uh, capability building and industry programs. So when the late new opportunity came along, it was a very interesting mix. I mean, all of my uh, business consulting and problem solving days, right, in the first 15 years. Yeah. But then all mm-hmm. of that being done in a very analytics setting, which is what Leighton View does, right? Leighton View is in the yeah. business of solving fuzzy, hard business problems using the power of data analytics. So for me, therefore, it is a very interesting combination of my uh, mm-hmm. of my past experience. And that's why I quickly lapped it up. I came on board as the chief people officer in uh, 2016. Right? And uh, mm-hmm. I played that role for about three years. And then I took over as the CEO in uh, April of uh, 2019. So that's how my foray into analytics uh, got started. Interesting. And, and how was this switch from uh, a company like Accenture, which was hiring, as you mentioned, in large numbers, to uh, to a company which was very specifically focused on analytics and, uh, you know, uh, uh, what was the culture in the two organizations like? And then, uh, and then you know, as you kind of uh, uh, got into latent view, what were some of the early days and early priorities which you decided for yourself? Sure. No, the 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 fact that Leyland View was a much smaller organization was uh, one of the selling points for me. Right. I really uh, mm-hmm. felt that that is a, a great kind of a context uh, to bring my my experience and skill sets right to the table uh, to to mm-hmm. help an organization uh, uh, grow right and, and capitalize on the market opportunity that was available. When mm-hmm. I joined Accenture mm-hmm. in 1995, we were only 120 people in India. Right. Uh, okay. you know, okay. I mean, today Accenture is like 300,000 people here, but uh, uh, in those days it was only a consulting practice. And during that time, the 20 years, we went from 120 to 175,000 people. Right. When I left in 2016, oh. it was that big. Now, obviously, uh, growth of that nature brings a lot of opportunities, right, in terms of the different roles yeah. you can career progression and everything. But in some sense, it also brings a certain amount of alienation, right, because uh, uh, in in the very early days, I knew everybody else in the firm, right? And then you just walk in and talk. Yeah. There aren't too many bureaucratic processes or red tape, and uh, you don't you don't have to fight your way through in order to make a difference. But as an organization yeah. gets larger and larger, 
some of those uh, attendant changes are inevitable, right? I mean, you need processes, in, you need uh, you know, procedures, and you need platforms and mechanisms, right? And you cannot make too many exceptions, right? Uh, so therefore, uh, for me, that uh, 20 years was like a fantastic run for me at Accenture, and I have the highest regard for the company and the people who work mm-hmm. there. Uh, but for me, in some mm-hmm. sense, uh, that was uh, a point in time where I was looking at, can I get back into another environment, right, where uh, uh, there is a significant difference, right, that that, that could be possible. And uh, mm-hmm. for me, the latent new opportunity was exactly that, right? I mean, it was a dynamic company. Uh, initially, I was approaching the opportunity with the idea that I'll just be a consultant to them. But when I came in and mm-hmm. met uh, the people who are working there, I already knew the leadership. Uh, but when I went That's in and met the people, yeah. I really... Uh, uh, really liked what I saw, right? Very smart, mm-hmm. uh, intelligent people, high caliber, going after some tough to solve challenges and problems, and in a very dynamic space, you know, uh, the space of data mm-hmm. analytics, really coming up pretty fast. Uh, and one of the things uh, that I used to always uh, wonder, even in my consulting days, is uh, why is it that people refuse to make high quality decisions even in the light of data that tells them that that's what they should be doing, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. one thing, right, to uh, do the do the analytics and then come up with the recommendations, but change management and uh, making sure that people actually execute on that. Right, it's another uh, completely different uh, ball game. So uh, here was an organization that was making all of the difference, and uh, that's what uh, attracted me. Right, in some sense. So for me, uh, it has been a very uh, very exciting last uh, seven years. My first three years as chief people officer uh, was about laying the foundations. Uh, in terms of mm-hmm. the growth that uh, we were aspiring for. And uh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is in terms of the processes, in terms of the people practices, in terms of attracting the right kind of talent, but also in terms of the capabilities that we needed and how we needed to think about organizing ourselves right, for the uh, growth that lay ahead of us. So that's what my first three years were focused on. Uh, a good mm-hmm. opportunity was also that uh, uh, as soon as I joined, within a year or so, the person who was heading up uh, our business in the Bay Area, which is the biggest chunk of uh, the business like that we do for the tech sector, he decided to do something else uh, with his life. Mm-hmm. So uh, okay. uh, he had the opportunity to lead the business in the Bay Area as well. So in addition to my role as the chief people officer, I also took on that responsibility. And that gave me an even deeper feel for uh, what we did and how we did it, right? And how we interacted with uh, our customers and stakeholders and everybody, right? So in some sense, uh, all wow. of us prepare for taking up the CEO mantle <laughs> opportunity came in April 2019. Uh, to address the second part of your question, what have been my priorities and what has kept me busy and awake? Uh, if I were to sum it up in, in one sentence, it's basically our aspiration to transform ourselves uh, from being an analytic execution partner to more of a thought partner and a, and a strategic partner, right? a consulting partner for our clients, where we are not just uh, helping them with the execution of initiatives that they might have conceptualized, or that might be the most uh, pertinent ones, right, that is happening in their industry, uh, but also to think, help them think through what should they be doing. If they have uh, a very well set or defined set of business goals and objectives, and, uh, uh, and, and they have access to data, both within and without, you know, outside the organization, how can you best make use of data analytics right, to drive the realization of their the business goals and priorities. right? So that's really what uh, we want to focus on. So essentially helping organizations think through their analytics strategy, how does it tie to their business strategy, what kind of initiatives, what should be the prioritization, what should be the roadmap. So we start a lot of work there today. 
and uh, that is a very important uh, pivot for us right in terms of getting a seat at the table when those conversations and the, those planning sessions are happening because then that means right. that uh, you have a early view into how your clients are thinking and then you are also able yeah. to and share what might be the best practices and what you see elsewhere happening within the industry or in you know, in, in other parts uh, of the market as well right uh, now yeah. that's easier said than done though right transforming ourselves from an executive <laughs> thought partner there are many elements that need to fall in place uh, you need to build very deep industry and domain expertise right that's a very important part and we have been doing that in several ways uh, we reorganize ourselves uh, with industry as the main organizing dimension so uh, now mm-hmm. now uh, today about 80% of our people are in one or another industry vertical right and uh, they have been in that kind of a construct for the last four and a half years and we have started building uh, some good level of understanding right of uh, what are the big problems and opportunities in those space and i think that is helping mm-hmm. secondly it also meant that uh, we build uh, domain specific solutions right related to uh, uh, the the pressing yeah. problems that the industry faces so it's not just a component skill capability play competency skill or a capability play but instead uh, a more solution value proposition play meaning that i know that in the retail industry this is the biggest problem right and do i have a solution that addresses that problem using the power of data analytics right so that's been the other yeah. uh, shift that we have been making so just don't go and talk about that we can build models in python and r and tensorflow but but we know that on shelf availability is your biggest problem right and and we know how to solve it using the power of analytics right as an example so that's been the second thing right the third is uh, uh, even if uh, you have the right solutions and the value propositions and you have the industry expertise you still need to have the consulting chops right this is just the process of how do you solve problems in an iterative fashion how do you engage with senior clients and stakeholders how do you get them exactly <laughs> the possibilities right so just the art of consultative problem solving this is another thing that we have been building yeah. on and finally we have also been looking at uh, capitalizing on the expertise that is out there in the market so one of the things that uh, he is talking about quite a bit in recent times is uh, the advisors that we are getting on board so we have been uh, uh, bringing on uh, several senior people who are uh, very experienced veterans in the in their industries uh, to come and help us think through how are we approaching right the solution and the value proposition development how are we approaching that sector itself right and and what we see as the connection points between goals mm-hmm. and, and and analytics initiatives and they have been helping us a great deal right in validating all of this stuff uh, introducing us to people within their network right so all of this is like starting to come together so in some sense uh, uh, this has been the biggest priority for me right the second one has mm-hmm. been traffic expansion uh, we were a very us centric okay and uh, now we have uh, started investing significantly in europe as a market uh, it's still early mm-hmm. days for 12 months into that initiative we also have a fledgling experiment for india and asia pacific which is which is currently underway uh, but the intent is that over a period of time that uh, we are not overly reliant only on us us will still continue to be the dominant market but we do want mm-hmm. to realize opportunities that are available elsewhere right in europe in apac in india and so on so that's been a second big thing and uh, since the ipo another important uh, objective for us has been inorganic growth right everything that i talked about mm-hmm. is about organic growth so we have been also yeah. at uh, can we uh, leapfrog and bring in either additional clientele or market presence or geographic presence our capabilities and ip and solutions right on the back of uh, acquiring companies that are already doing some of its stuff right so this has been the third thing of course on the acquisition side uh, uh, it's still a process we haven't done any yet 
but there are mm-hmm. uh, conversations that are underway and uh, you know, we are in some uh, advanced stages of due diligence right with with one or two of those opportunities uh, so yeah those are the three things that have been keeping me mm-hmm. in the last few years no that's that's uh, fascinating and then i think the amount of ground we covered in the last four years is it's uh, fascinating i would actually want to you know double uh, click on each of these legs uh, to to just you know uh, learn from your perspective a bit more so uh, you know the first part which you mentioned like readying the organization for future so making sure from a talent perspective you bring in a mix of uh, people who are technically very sound but also have domain expertise and also you know consulting jobs as you mentioned so uh, so you know uh, how did your hiring strategy kind of change or was it more that you wanted to upskill people internally so so uh, you know how did that transformation happen in the organization right so in some sense uh, we were already on the right track on that front in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the talent that uh, we were uh, bringing in uh, both from mm-hmm. campus as well as from lateral channels uh, on the campus front we were already uh, uh, visiting all the top uh, tier 1 uh, technology uh, not uh, universities and, and and campuses right uh, whether it's the mm-hmm. nit or the iits or bits and vit and so on right uh, likewise on the business domain understanding we were already hiring from the iims uh, we were hiring from spj and nmims right some of the best campuses that uh, that are there in the country mm-hmm. uh, we ramped up a bit more on the math economics and uh, econometrics and statistical front uh, which was mm-hmm. uh, which was something that we felt right we can shore up on uh, lateral hiring has always been uh, in terms of plugging the gaps that we had right i think when i came on board we were about uh, uh 550 600 odd people uh and uh, mm-hmm. so we 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 were obviously not hiring in very huge numbers from campus uh but in the last mm-hmm. year and a half or so uh we have pivoted significantly right to getting the bulk of our hiring done from campus uh, with lateral hiring plugging you know being used only to pluck the critical gaps that we might have right in terms of uh, say okay. some completely new skills or esoteric things right that are that are important Uh, but otherwise the talent acquisition strategy was largely predicated on bringing in all those three dimensions that you talked about it uh, on the one mm-hmm. hand you have the technical skills right which is just the technology skills itself secondly the math yeah. and algorithmic and the statistical modeling skills and the third is the business mm-hmm. and domain skills right those are the three things that uh, are important right and uh, we were building it we started off a consulting practice uh, quite early right i think uh, in the year 2019 mm-hmm. uh, april when i took up uh, the ceo role one important thing we called out is that we will create these horizontals as well which will bring uh, which will be vehicles by which we will build very strong technical or consulting skills so today we have mm-hmm. horizontals focused on data engineering on uh, advanced analytics uh, on consulting itself for example this is a process that we kicked off at that time and that meant that you no know, we needed to go and look for people right with uh, Uh, those skill sets uh, skill sets as well data engineering was not an area of focus for us four years back uh, we were uh, okay. we were mostly doing work only on the analytics side right in fact in some sense mm-hmm. can say that uh, we presupposed that all the data that was necessary to do the analytics was already there and it was also organized mm-hmm. and available in the right shape and form which is true in wow. in many ways right for early initiatives in those days low hanging fruit uh, initiatives that were uh, mainly uh, within a particular organizational boundary right could be a business or function a geography 
they had the data they just want to work with the data that they already had access to you didn't need to do too much of data wrangling right but that has changed mm -hmm. though in the last few years now now some of the yeah. all the low hanging fruit is gone you need more complex initiatives you also need to bring data from multiple parts of the organization sometimes many times okay. outside the organization mm -hmm. aspect like structured and structured data so data engineering was another important uh, skill set that we had to build in good measure in order to tackle this problem right i mean you can't you can't do the analytics if you don't have the data right so that is another area where uh, we had to focus on right from a from a talent perspective uh, the good thing uh, from a from an ipo perspective it has uh, sub significantly raised our visibility in the talent marketplace as well so in the last yeah. couple of years it's gotten easier okay uh, one in terms of mm -hmm. uh, uh, even from campus perspective right i mean the awareness that is there on campuses uh, since we listed it's a mm -hmm. lot higher yeah. and for all the lateral roles uh, we uh, now are able to put together a good pipeline of candidates even before the demand materializes right so there is a ready pool okay. that we can tap into of course there will still be some mm -hmm. challenging roles that will take time and all that but in general mm -hmm. uh, the strategy has been to uh, focus uh, in terms of uh, which campuses we build deeper relationships with and how do we uh, have the complement of all those three skills that i talked about right? that's been the main thrust and, and in a background where you know technology is evolving very fast, right? So uh, a few years back, deep learning was considered as cutting edge. Last few uh, quarters have been all about generative AI. How do you uh, you know hire for technical skills? So is it more about check the fundamentals and then then uh, give a person an environment to learn or or you would want people to come in with those skills and then uh, bring uh, uh, agility in their day-to-day uh, -day job so so how do you manage for uh, that largely the former uh, even prior to my joining uh, and and in fact one of the reasons i felt uh, really excited about the latent view opportunity was the caliber of the people right uh, caliber of the people from a can-do attitude perspective. I mean, not that they didn't have the technical skills and the capabilities, but in such a dynamic environment, right, you may not know everything, right? Uh, even yeah. from an algorithmic uh, standpoint or how to implement an algorithm within a particular technical construct, right? Uh, and therefore, there is always uh, this need to learn uh, on the job, mm -hmm. learn very quickly, rapidly in an iterative fashion, right? So in some sense, yeah. that is the more important uh, a quality that we look for in talent not that you knew everything but you were mm -hmm. ready to put in right the time and effort to uh, learning what needed to be learned uh, for the problem mm -hmm. right that we were trying to solve there were several engagements uh, the, the, which are examples where uh, we actually went in and uh, confidently said to the client that we will solve the problem for you and then we figured mm -hmm. out right in an iterative fashion, what is the right way, right? Yeah. It's not that we already knew the answer and then, uh, of course, I mean, in the last few years, there are several solutions and capabilities that have been built on the back of the problems that we have solved and, and codifying and encapsulating that. But uh, mm -hmm. the general DNA and culture of the organization is do not hesitate to put up your hand for tough problems, right? With that mm -hmm. in mind, I mean, uh, there are several mechanisms that are institutionalized, right, within the organization. You know, be the internal hackathons, the external competitions that uh, people uh, uh, take part in, client-related uh, exercises that we do you know, around our QBRs and how do we bring innovation and ideation to the table. All of that galvanizes the people, right, the entire organization to say that, you know what, I'm going to use all of these as opportunities to learn new things, right? I may not know mm -hmm. everything, but I will use these as opportunities to learn new things so that I'm equipping myself for what lays ahead of you.
one other thing that we have done internally is that we expose all the upcoming opportunities to our people so today every new role that comes in the organization mm -hmm. it is actually uh, mm -hmm. advertised using the internal job portal platform right uh, and, and therefore people mm -hmm. have the opportunity to put up their hand and say that you know what i want to be on the drone and uh, and of course okay. then through a process of uh, evaluation and selection and all that uh, but it mm -hmm. also therefore provides the opportunity for people to say that, you know what, if I've done, if I've been doing something for the last 18 months or 24 months, I can actually do something else. I can learn new things. I can learn a new domain. I can get into solving a different problem. I can work in different part of the value chain. I can even get into a different industry, right? All of those opportunities mm -hmm. and possibilities are there. And I think that culture and environment is very important from a learning standpoint. Uh, I would value that more than the ability to go and hunt for people with uh, particular skills. I mean, sure. that is also important. Sure. I'm not uh, uh, denying that. And you will have to do it when mm -hmm. you meet somebody with uh, a very deep level of expertise in an area where we don't have enough bandwidth. But otherwise, the culture mm -hmm. is more around how do we enable our people, right, uh, to stay on, on top of what is happening, to stay at the edge of analytics. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, briefly about you know some of the changes which came along with the listing i would actually want to go uh, a few days before that and then you know as an organization when you were going through that process uh, what were some of the changes which you had to drive at a organization level and then what were some of the outcomes which you saw uh, uh, in addition to what you have already mentioned uh, no, fortunately for us, uh, we didn't have to do uh, too many things which were different mm -hmm. from what we were doing, right? Okay. To prepare ourselves mm -hmm. uh, for the IPO, right? In in uh, okay. right through the years, uh, there were several important elements that were already in place, right? Uh, the first and foremost being just the discipline and uh, the governance rigor, right? That was there in place, and these are all uh, yeah. aspects of the culture that uh, Venkat and Pramad and Ramesh had put in place right right from very early days Correct. that uh, this is how we will do things uh, we will not compromise on certain matters right integrity is super important right uh, many of those principles right were already very well very well entrenched within the mindset and the, yeah. DNA, the culture of the organization so we didn't have to do too many things in terms of preparing the organization for higher scrutiny that will come for, with mm -hmm. an IPO right sure. uh, it was therefore mm -hmm. more about continuing to execute well on the growth, okay. uh, profitable mm -hmm. growth, right? Profitable growth was always the mantra. If you look at Latin View Analytics yeah. in comparison to even other pure play analytics companies, right, within the Indian market, one big thing that will stand out, right, uh, is the fact that we are very profitable, right, and, and we have been strong, right, yeah. right through our history. And profitable growth was a very, very important thing, meaning that we will take on the right kind of work for the right type of clientele in the right contract and the engagement model that will make sense for all of us, right? In terms of how we do yeah. what we do, right? And, and the fact that no, that it can mm -hmm. be a very profitable business opportunity, right, for us. So that is all in place in some sense. So uh, in the preparatory days, therefore, it was more about uh, uh, thinking about what next, therefore, not so much mm -hmm. in terms of looking back uh, and, and getting ready, but it was more in terms of what is the next thing, right? So uh, we actually went through an exercise uh, with an external partner to help us think through a little mm -hmm. bit about on the strategy, right? Which are the uh, domains or industry sectors that we should uh, look at, for example. Uh, you you yeah. know that uh, Leighton View is like very strong in the technology and the digital native space, uh, but not right. in say banking, financial services and retail, right? Which tend to be very yeah. large sectors in general for the IT industry, right? Yeah. Even from an analytics standpoint. Yeah. And we were very yeah. underrepresented. 
So we did go through an exercise right, of thinking through what is it that uh, uh, we will need to uh, uh, we will need to focus on right for future growth from an organic growth mm-hmm. perspective. Which geographies, uh, which sectors, what kind of opportunities do we go after? I talked about data engineering becoming important in the scheme of things, right? All of that happened, right, during yeah. a period of time. Uh, we also looked at uh, Europe as a geography, right, at the time, whether it makes sense mm-hmm. for us to double down on the geography. Uh, and then obviously we felt that uh, given our scale and size and for us to capitalize on the opportunity, the market opportunity, inorganic growth will also be a, an important aspect of it, right? So in some sense, uh, uh, there was uh, quite a bit of thinking that uh, uh, that happened uh, around yeah. that time, right? Uh, when we were thinking about the IPO, uh, as part of the IPO process, we also worked with another uh, consulting firm, uh, Zino. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. they helped us with our, uh, our prospect yeah. of getting us ready. And one exercise that they did for us was just an industry analysis. What does the data analytics space look like globally, right? And mm-hmm. where, is the, where is the money being spent on what kind of work and who are the players, right? And and where do we stand vis-a-vis, right, with the rest of them, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunity, all that sort of stuff, right? So I think that is an important exercise for us as well. Those mm-hmm. helped us in thinking through how are we going to tell the story, not just the story of right. who we have been so far, but also the story of who we want to be going forward, right? And I think that was good, uh, useful preparatory work. Uh, our IPO happened during the pandemic, right? Uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, therefore, but it was uh, one of the most oversubscribed uh, uh, listings that happened. Yeah, we were, we were. Uh, I mean, we we knew that uh, there will be strong demand and reception, but uh, even mm-hmm. we were uh, positively thrilled by the reception it got, right, in terms of, uh, I think at that time, we were the most oversubscribed issue in the history of the Indian right. markets, right, for... Uh, uh, and it was, I think, 80 times oversubscribed, if I'm... We were 340 okay. times or so, okay. It is oh, like, wow, okay. So, yeah, it was very exciting. I mean, and then we went through the roadshow. We did everything online, right, uh, because of the pandemic. We had to actually do the roadshow itself uh, completely online using Zoom and oh, these kind of mechanisms, right? Uh, normally, companies right. will go right to the important uh, investor locations, mm-hmm. starting with Mumbai, yeah. right, Singapore, Hong Kong, and so on. We did everything online, right? So that was another interesting mm-hmm. uh, experience that we went through. Uh, but the entire organization came together. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, you also need to look at uh, uh, when you when you think about a strategy, right, and, and how you are going to be presenting what we intend to do in the coming years. Uh, all the elements yeah. need to come together, you know, whether it is finance or whether it is HR or marketing or IT, right? Uh, and then, of course, the entire business part of the organization in thinking through all of this stuff uh, and coming up with a narrative, right, that uh, we felt uh, is is the one that uh, we can execute on confidently because we believe in that opportunity, right? So that is a that is the yeah. exercise that we went through. Interesting. And uh, was uh, listing in India always very clear, or there was a point you debated whether you would list in, let's say, US or or uh, any other geography? No, I think the listing in India was fairly clear because uh, the promoters are based out of here. I mean, we are headquartered here in India and uh, yes. the structure, the org structure uh, was also set up in such a fashion that uh, the U.S. organization is a subsidiary of the India uh, headquartered organization, right? And not the other way around. I mean, there are organizations that are chosen to headquarter themselves uh, now right. in, in the market. For us, we knew that uh, the bulk of the work happens here. I mean, of course... Uh, the selling, the business development, and the client upfront interaction happens there. But uh, a yeah. big chunk of what we do, right, the actual delivery, right, and the work, it happens out of here. 
and uh, in analytics in some sense uh, uh, we were also a very how do i put it no conservative quiet organization right we were not a flashy organization right uh, and and uh, that dna and mindset also meant that now we are very grounded uh, more in the delivery and, yeah. and uh, the capabilities that and what we do uh, and not so much yeah. in terms of what we talk about it right so that's been the general right. of course we're trying to make some adjustments to that because now that we are a listed company and there are expectations of growth and everything uh, you cannot be too quiet uh, and we do want sure. to make sure that now we are capitalizing on the visibility but uh, it is a fairly clear decision at the time right that uh, we will uh, we will go ahead with an ipo in the indian markets got it and now you know specifically in the last few months with uh, you know generative ai getting so much buzz uh, how are you know your clients and your use cases changing so do you see a lot of uh, attention from the clients and any specific requirements which which uh, have now started surfacing a lot more in the discussions compared to uh, let's say a few quarters back right now there are two uh, kinds of imp- uh, uh, impact that we are seeing right one is the talk about generative ai right in particular um, everybody yeah. wants to do something with generative ai because of uh, uh, the potential that it offers or the promise uh, you know, that it offers and and uh, obviously whether uh, uh, one knows enough about that area or not there is this urgency yeah. to say that i need to find out what it is and then do make something in this area right and and a lot of that mandate might be even be coming from the board from very senior levels of management right uh, in client organizations mm-hmm. so that is one kind of an impact the other is it has dem- democratized uh, uh, a bit of the understanding of the art of the possible right in a very significant right. manner uh, once mm-hmm. chat gpt was available on everybody's mobile suddenly everyone was experimenting with it right uh, even if it meant right. that you were just asking it to whatever no uh, write a poem for you right yeah. or a topic or or uh, or you no know, come up with a email or an essay or somebody yeah. has experimented yeah. with it right in some shape and form Correct. therefore the appreciation of what is possible right using the power of analytics using the power of artificial intelligence gen ai in particular that has gone through the roof right so therefore even Correct. people who are sitting on the sidelines uh, earlier in terms of uh, uh, maybe saying that now we will rely on our uh, old tried and trusted gut feel whatever mechanism right for decision making today they are asking the question right can i do something with it right so the extent of democratization has been significant right all across the board uh, on data analytics yeah. itself and that creates a very uh, ripe environment for uh, no uh, for for people like us right i mean companies like lenovo analytics yeah. who are in the business of data analytics it creates a humongous amount of opportunities right in terms of uh, what unleashing the potential right of data analytics so i think that's uh, that setting is very good specifically mm-hmm. on the genai topic we are taking a, a three pronged approach uh, the mm-hmm. first uh, important thing right that uh, we are looking at is uh, uh, can we have uh, value propositions which are generative ai at the core meaning that the, okay. the primary solution and the value proposition itself uh, is completely uh, based on generative ai concepts right so i'll i'll talk about mm-hmm. the two solutions that we already are uh, having in the market right uh, one of them is called mm-hmm. laser and uh, this is all about uh, the ability to mine unstructured data that you already have right and this could be data from your employee customer surveys uh, this could be customer sentiment uh, and review that is available on the social media mm-hmm. it could be your procurement contracts it could be some other internal documentation process documentation that you have right a lot of this in text form right 
uh, and today you might be missing the insights that might be available from there. So can you use the power mm -hmm. of generative AI, right? Uh, your trained models to mine all of that stuff and then mm -hmm. submit the right kind of insight. So that is the value proposition, right? That laser focuses on. Mm -hmm. The second one, mm -hmm. which we call Gen Compose, uh, that is focused mm -hmm. on generating content. So uh, if uh, uh, you want to come up with very personalized, customized content that is intended at mm -hmm. targeting some specific customer segment or customer, how do you use the power of generative mm -hmm. AI to do that? So, for example, a lot of B2B companies, uh, there is a huge drop-off when you move from what you call marketing qualified leads to sales qualified leads. Uh, your mar marketing qualified leads will run into the thousands or ten thousands because anybody who responds to whatever you do on the marketing front, right? Uh, it could be a campaign, it could be a could be called a lead. They are all MQLs, right? Uh, but then you will not have the sales and business development bandwidth to give personalized attention to each of those leads. There is a qualifying process that you will use and then you'll say, okay, here are the sales qualified leads. And then the rest yeah. all, right, you're you, you, you ignoring most of the time, right? You keep you can't nurturing them. You can't yeah. nurture them. You can't take personalized action, right? Uh, so now mm -hmm. you have the ability to engage them in a very personalized fashion uh, using generative AI, right? Uh, you get to know a bit more uh, based on your demographic understanding or whoever they are, right? Whatever limited knowledge you have of them, you can use generative AI based concepts to come up with very specific tailored content right that will appeal to them whether you're writing an email or whether it is a poster or whether it is some campaign that you're sharing right so that's what gen compose does gen compose helps you to personalize content for the long tail of leads right that you might be leaving on the table exactly. and, and it's a very yeah. uh, revenue accretive kind of uh, value proposition so this is one prong and, and these products are the based on proprietary we are just using okay. whatever is available. I mean, we are not building our own LR. Uh, that is a very. Uh, and that is that too not uh, open source. So you're you're using uh, let's say open AI. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a company. You can use Chat GPT. I mean, you can use uh, the Google Tech Stack, right? You can use uh, other sure. media is building an LLM solution, for example. Right? You can use what others are building. Uh, but the idea is mm -hmm. that uh, you make use of those LLMs, right? Uh, large language models. Correct. Either do the mining or to come solve up. a problem. To solve a problem. Right. So yeah. that is one aspect, right, of what we are doing with generative AI. The second mm -hmm. is predicated more on uh, having a generative AI wrapper uh, on all the other solutions that we have. So every one of our other solutions, I mentioned on shelf availability, are the one customer right. value proposition that we have, for example, right? All of them can benefit from a generative AI wrapper just in terms of the interactions that people who use those solutions and value propositions have, right? So today they will still have to sit and write some SQL or some other query and other analytics mechanism, right? To be able to benefit from it. Uh, if you have a generative AI wrapper, then it becomes a very easy process of interacting with that solution, right? Uh, so that is the other thing that we are doing, just creating a generative AI wrapper and a component and embedding it right into the rest of the solution that we have. The third one is to turn the lens inwards, right? How can we use the power of generative AI to enhance our own productivity as an organization? So whether we are building a model, whether we are uh, creating a data pipeline, whether we are uh, building a dashboard, whatever it might be, can I use uh, the capabilities that come from generative AI to uh, increase the productivity and the efficiency of the people who are doing the work, right? Uh, because GenAI provides you that opportunity, right? I mean, you can actually come up with a lot of good quality uh, code, initial starting points at least, that cuts your effort automatically, yeah. right? So yeah. that's the third prong mm -hmm. that uh, we are exploring. So these are the three prongs, right, that uh, we currently have. Right. Mm -hmm. In fact, this morning I received word that uh, we just won 
uh, a very interesting generative AI uh, engagement uh, where we are going oh, to be wow. using uh, that concept, right? Uh, the first combination of the first and second in some sense uh, to, to answer some very specific problem statement, right? Uh, uh, this is with one of the top accounts that uh, we are working with. Uh, so I think uh, exciting times yeah. for all of our people because uh, we are kind of like just on the cusp yeah, of right. becoming pretty big. And and because this is so new and everyone is kind of uh, building their understanding, this in a way helps your first objective where you want to kind of uh, uh, sit with the clients when they are deciding about their priorities as opposed to you know actually analytics execution, right? So overall, this right. is. Uh, would have been a great enabler on that priority. Absolutely. I mean, given that Gen AI is uh, on top of mind awareness, right, for uh, everybody, uh, it's a great starting point, right? Of course, you still yeah. need to uh, explore many other things because generative AI may not be the answer to everything that you want to do. Good. There are obviously several limitations that you have. And there are contexts in which generative AI can be a great boom. And there are other contexts where it may not help you a great deal either, right? Uh, but yeah. at least you have a starting point because everybody is excited yeah. about generative AI, then you get invited right, to those conversations. Correct. If you have the right kind of capability and you can demonstrate that, right? So that's really what uh, the endeavor is, right? Have some high quality, hard hitting value propositions mm -hmm. based on generative AI that can actually help open doors even, right? And then once you're talking, then you're talking, right? I mean, then you can talk about other things as well. Of course, yeah. And uh, coming to the next two priorities which you mentioned, right? So one is the geographic expansion. Uh, so uh, you mentioned Europe specifically, you mentioned Asia Pacific and India. So, uh, and the second thing which you said was, you know, the inorganic uh, expansion. Uh, and then you, you mentioned that you're looking at a few opportunities. So, so can you elaborate a bit more on, you know, what, uh, so uh, within geographies, would you, for example, focus on the same segments where you are already strong at and then what kind of uh, inorganic opportunities would fit in with your strategy. Sure, yeah. So on the geographic expansion point, uh, like I said earlier, Europe and India APAC is uh, something that uh, yeah. we are uh, moving ahead with. I would put uh, Europe on a very different uh, uh, kind of a situation at this time in comparison to India APAC. India APAC is still a smaller experiment that we are running. Uh, but with Europe, mm -hmm. we have made a significant commitment. I mean, we went public with okay. that commitment even during the IPO times. And subsequent mm -hmm. to that, we now have invested uh, quite a bit as well, right, in terms of having a full-fledged front-end team, uh, you know, starting with the business head for Europe, geography, mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, the sales and business development bandwidth and the solution architect bandwidth, right? We have created that entire team, right? And then there is a delivery head back here and, and we, are in, you know, we are executing a bunch of engagements, right, already. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, uh, Europe is a tougher nut to crack, right? Uh, in terms of uh, uh, the you, even even in very good times, right? Uh, even if the yeah. economic macroeconomic scenario were good and not not sluggish as it is right now, Europe will still yeah. take long because of uh, yeah. the relationship diversity, language challenges. Yeah. Uh, so today, it is compounded by the fact that uh, generally, you know, there are all these recessionary pressures and uh, concerns around interest rates and, and whatnot. But the going has been good for us, right? Even in this, in, in some sense that now we are finding the traction. Uh, one very important mm -hmm. uh, uh, lever that we are using in the European market is to work uh, with our advisors. I talked about the advisors earlier. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a good set of advisors uh, in, in Europe and uh, they are very experienced and seasoned people. And uh, they've been helping us uh, in terms of uh, 
making the right kind of connects, right? Uh, with the right organizations, with the people at the right level of seniority so that it helps jumpstart the process, right? You still need to go through the process, right? I mean, they might still say that mm-hmm. you, you have to do a pilot for us. Even if you're working with yeah. uh, the best known names in the in the US, uh, it may not readily translate into uh, uh, into ca- capital that you have right. in terms of uh, convincing yeah. European. They will ask you like, no, have you done this in Europe? Have you done this in this country? Have you done it in this sector? Right? Yeah. Also, right? <laughs> it's okay. Right? We are going through going through that. Uh, no plans to significantly deviate from the sectors. Right. So uh, technology, mm-hmm. retail, and uh, CPG, which is consumer, industrials, which is automotive and manufacturing and logistics. And then BFSA, right? These are the sectors where we are present in the US. So the focus is the same, whether it is Europe or India, APAC. We are not we are not getting into some completely new area like healthcare, for example, right? Uh, these are in spaces mm-hmm. where we play in now. Uh, we might, I mean, at some point in time, but right now the focus is uh, uh, just in terms of uh, leveraging whatever understanding we have of the sectors in which we are present yeah. and then taking those mm-hmm. solutions and taking that understanding right into, into the new market. Uh, the... Uh, uh, the approach working with advisors is a very important uh, uh, lever, as I said earlier, right? and, and that is starting to mm-hmm. give us dividends. Uh, we also believe that uh, uh, the European uh, European market, right? I mean, uh, while uh, the process can be slow to begin with, once you get in, uh, the entrenchment is a bit more. Okay, meaning that you typically, uh, I mean, they don't you don't get dislodged very easily either. So therefore, yeah. whatever the life cycle is longer. I'm making now that should hold us in good stead, right? So the intent is that over mm-hmm. a two and a half year period, uh, Europe will contribute, say, anywhere between ten to fifteen percent of the revenues, right? That's what we are targeting, right? At this time, mm-hmm. uh, India APAC mm-hmm. it is still too early for me to make any particular comment, right, on how big it will get. Uh, but uh, but good conversations even here, right? I mean, we are already working with three clients here, and and there are half a dozen conversations that are currently looking fairly interesting. So we'll want to keep uh, pushing the pedal on that front, right? So that's what is happening from a geographic perspective. We are focusing only on Fortune 500 companies in Europe as well, right? Uh, We've picked the three specific geographies, UK, uh, Germany, and Netherlands. So these are the markets Mm -hmm. uh, we are are looking at. These markets are home to 70 of the uh, Fortune 500 companies, right? Fortune 500 companies. Those are the markets that we are focusing on at this time. Uh, mm-hmm. On the inorganic front, uh, to answer your question, uh, we are looking at uh, uh, addressing some of the gaps that we identified. I mentioned that we did a strategy exercise around the IPO time, right? Uh, yeah. so obviously, it identified BFSI and retail as two sectors. It identified uh, supply chain analytics and data engineering as important areas, advanced analytics, particularly as, as an important area, because that's where the growth was going to be much more right in comparison to even other parts of the data analytics space itself so our thinking at this time on the inorganic strategy is can we acquire somebody that can help us leapfrog in these spaces so for example if there is an organization that is doing supply chain analytics work for a retail uh, industry right then that would be the right kind of target because it kind of helps tick many of the boxes right for us so uh, we will we are again looking at uh, dominantly the USA and, and the European countries that I mentioned, right, as uh, target geographies as well, right, in terms of where the target company might be operating. But we have some leeway, right, in terms of looking at uh, some other aspects. Uh, the other point is that we we are a services company. Uh, we are not a product company. So in some sense, uh, uh, while we do not want to go and acquire a product company, uh, we are looking at whether they already have some IP, right, that they have built uh, that gets yeah. some non-linearity, right? 
uh, whether they have built some solutions where they are already seeing a revenue stream, for example, right? These kind of things uh, will be further uh, uh, important considerations, right? That that we will look at. So, uh, combination of these factors, right, would be the the right kind of a thing. I mean, we're looking at ticket sizes anywhere ranging from uh, 10, 5, 10 million dollars to 20 million dollars in size in terms of revenue. Okay. Because we also mm-hmm. want to make sure that we are able to bring them in, integrate them, right, and then become a, make them a part of the uh, organization so that the synergy benefits, right, uh, come through. Of course, yeah, great, great. Well, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Uh, just, uh, you know, moving uh, to your plans and vision for the future. So, so let's say, you know, how do you see uh, latent view over the next few years? And then, you know, what are some of the trends you see in the domain overall? So, uh, so you know, at a macro level, what are some of the things which uh, you think would have a significant mark let's say in the next three to five years time frame and then uh, from latent view perspective apart from what we have already discussed is there any other specific area you would want to kind of focus on in that sure yeah so when we did the exercise around the ipo time right uh, i mentioned the exercise mm-hmm. with Zeno. uh Zeno had actually come up with a number of 170 billion dollars okay as the size of the oh, data analytics okay. market at that time and growing to mm-hmm. double the size in a three, four year time frame, right? So it was expected yeah. to be a fairly uh, high growth space, you no know, 18% yeah. CAGR, that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which meant that the market opportunity is uh, huge, right? Uh, yeah. There is enough, the pie itself was going to be growing significantly. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, I mean, uh, you will also compete, right? To gain market share and all that. So we were uh, not worried at all about uh, what the market potential is. There is enough market potential. And uh, this has been further reinforced, right? This feeling based on the work that we have been doing over the last uh, several years. We can see that most organizations are still only scratching the surface uh, when it comes to using the power of data analytics. Many organizations, even large ones, maturity levels in terms of what they do and how they are uh, using analytics to drive decision making might still be at the lower end of the spectrum. There is a lot that can be done, right? Uh, the other trend that is aiding this is that more and more interactions, right? Either it is interaction between people or between people and processes or people and machines or processes and machines, right? All of those interactions are digitally intermediated today, right? In some form or the other, right. there is an electronic signature that is available and you can <laughs> capture a data, a lot of data, right? From all of those interactions, which means that the quantum of data, right? Will continue to grow many fold. So you will need a very intelligent, sophisticated mechanism that can dig deep into that data to identify uh, and, and, and understand behavior, right? In some some shape and form, right? Uh, at the end of the day, we are in the business of understanding and interpreting behavior. Why why do things happen the way they, they happen, right? Why do people behave the way they do, whether they are buying or whether they are learning or working or whatever it might be, right? So uh, I see immense potential, therefore, right? In terms of uh, what can be accomplished. Uh, when uh, we all got together just immediately after the IPO, uh, at the time we were about $50 million okay, in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt that uh, we can easily quadruple right, in a four-year kind of a time frame. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I won't say easily, that the opportunity was there to quadruple. right? So that's the track mm-hmm. that we are on at this time. Of course, this year has been a little sluggish because of whatever is happening in the macroeconomic environment, but I'm sure that this will come to pass, right? And uh, mm-hmm. organizations will start again getting back right into uh, what they need to do from a decision-making standpoint. The interesting thing is that data analytics sits at the top of the IT stack, right? All the work that yeah. has, uh, as far as information technology is concerned in the last two decades, three decades, 
all of that provides the foundation for the data analytics work. And you're really talking about a paradigm shift here, right? A shift from systems of record keeping to systems of decision making, right? Uh, today, uh, in most large organizations, in spite of the huge amount of investments that have happened on the IT side, critical decision making still happens outside of it, right? Using pen and paper, yeah. Excel, right? that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Which kind of has, has back to my earlier business consulting days. But there is an opportunity to become a lot more scientific and a lot more data driven right on that front. And that's where, therefore, right. uh, uh, the potential is available, right, for, for somebody like us. Uh, so uh, so the, the other part of the question, so in addition to the things that I talked about, right, in terms of Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this aspiration to move from a execution to a thought partner and a consulting partner, right? What we have been doing on that front, the geographic expansion, I talked about uh, uh, how we are looking at uh, inorganic opportunities and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big thing for us would be to start looking at what are some adjacencies that make sense, right? I'm, I mean, adjacencies mm-hmm. could be in many different forms. It could be a geographic adjacency, meaning that we currently... Mm-hmm work in these geographies, but can we look at another geography? But obviously, we will take that slow because we are only now getting started with Europe right, and, and, and India. Yeah. There could be an adjacency in terms of uh, uh, industry. right? I mean, if you do work in this yeah. industry and the problems in this industry are very similar to what another industry faces, right? why can't we also do work in that space? right? So we'll look yeah. at that. Yeah. We'll also look at adjacencies in terms of the actual problems and the type of work itself. right? So, for example, mm-hmm. we don't do too much on planning and budgeting today. Uh, but planning and budgeting uh, is very interesting because there is analytics that is required before planning and budgeting. And then you need analytics okay. after planning and budgeting, right? When you're matching your plan with your actuals, right? Uh, so it kind of like sits in the middle. So is that a good adjacency for us to look at? Another one could be market research and analytics, right? We are in the business of generating insight. Uh, but is there a bunch of insight that can come through market research and analytics, for example, right? So that could be another area. So yeah. there are areas like that which we can look at. So we will we will start uh, the, looking at those things as well, right? Uh, areas where we are not present, but which are aligned very well with what we do mm-hmm. and work today, and then see whether there are expansion and growth uh, possibilities uh, you know, that that will help us accelerate, right, even more. Great, great. Thanks, thanks, Rajan, for you know those uh, insights and sharing uh, your perspective. Just uh, before we close, uh, what we usually do is a quick rapid fire question with the guest. So just to know you better as a person. So uh, so I would essentially want whatever comes top of the mind as, as the answer. So uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. You prefer? Coffee. Uh, late night or early morning? Early morning. Early morning. Great. And any specific book which had a huge impact? Uh, on on you? Uh, in my early days, uh, God of Lesher Bach by Douglas mm-hmm. Ostrader. Uh, it's called God of Lesher mm-hmm. Bach and Eternal Golden Braid. G-E-B-E-G-B. Okay. Okay? That's the name of the wow. book. Uh, it's a very deep book. I mean, it's philosophical, but uh, it also goes deep into the heart of mathematics, how the mind works, what is consciousness, and so on. Today, when there is so much of debate about uh, uh, generative AI and what artificial intelligence means, I can see a lot of uh, mm-hmm. very interesting things, right? That I read, uh, I don't know, like twenty years back. Okay. I keep going back to the book. I have a copy of the book. I keep rereading. Mm-hmm. Great. And any specific advice you would give to people who are, let's say, just starting their career? So they've just come out of college and they're looking at their career over the next few years. What would be your top advice to them? Yeah, I mean, assuming that you're talking about people who are interested in a career in data analytics, but even otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, in the days to come. Uh, resourcefulness and uh, agility 
uh, and the willingness to learn new things will be the most important thing. What I mean by resourcefulness is that you don't need to uh, you don't need to be able to solve everything on your own, right? But you should be resourceful enough to find out where I can go for help, who I can tap on the yeah. shoulders for help, right? So that is very important. Uh, agility, because uh, you need uh, to be able to move with speed, right? Uh, things are happening even faster. Attention spans are lower, right? Uh, so agility will be a very important thing. And uh, finally, I think uh, the willingness to learn new things, right? Uh, that'll be important. I mean, what can be a, a, a high-tech or a, a sought-after skill today can become commoditized, right, very quickly uh, in the days to come, sure. especially with uh, uh, technologies like you know AI and Gen AI coming to the fore. So you need to be right. continuously reinventing yourself, right? So do not shy. So your days of learning are not over just because you've finished. <laughs> you got to keep that kind of learning for long. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Rajan, for uh, sharing those answers. And uh, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, and, and, you know, we, uh, I, th and I think immense learning for the community from your experience. So thanks a lot for sharing this. Thanks, Kunal, for having me on the program. And uh, I do hope uh, some of the stuff that we discuss is uh, helpful to the people uh, who, who listen and tune in. It will be.